Drugs are menacing our society. We need your support again. Cleaning the crib, I'm here styling on them. The iron on me, I wig. Fans bugging your spot, niggas raiding where you live. You know the stakes high when you making it on the strip. I talk to the blind man. So the first time I ever heard of Nick Grant, I was watching a YouTube video of uh, Sway's universe, and it was Nick Grant, it was Sway, it was uh, Saha the Prince. And, you know, Sway is going to make you rap. You come up to Sway, you do, you do an interview with Sway, and you any type of what, what he describes as a hyena. If you are a hyena, he's going to ask you to rap. That's just how it goes. So this kid, I knew Saha. I knew kind of what he was already built for. So I said, okay, this should be cool. Never heard of Nick Grant a day in my life. And Nick Grant proceeds to get busy, like busy, busy, to the point where I was looking at the screen like, damn, like, who is this kid? And, and Swayze was clearly impressed uh, as well. Just if you go to YouTube, watch the reaction of this video, this Nick Grant Saha the Prince video, um, you'll see Swayze's reaction. And clearly, he was he was pretty impressed by this kid from uh, from South Carolina too. So years go on. Nick Grant is um, I don't know if he's exactly living in Atlanta, but I know uh, Jason Jeter has you know is was managing him at the time I believe, and he kind of you know they were working together and Nick Grant's first album came out. Well, he, he had a mixtape called the 88 mixtape. Um, then his first album came out and I mean, it was a departure. Like I can say that I feel like it was a departure from the return of the cool was an album, by the way, I forgot to say that, but uh, it was, I feel like it was a departure from the guy that I had seen in, the Sway Freestyle video. And with his newest project, God Bless the Child, um, that he just released alongside uh, TDE's uh, Tate Beats, I feel like Nick is back on track now. It might have been a little while, but I feel like he's back on track. And today, we're going to talk about Nick Grant, um, his career as it stands thus far, and his new project, God Bless the Child. This is the Something to Say podcast. Time tells all, you soon find out who's hating. Always the ones closest, never the few strangers. How you living, nigga? Bitch, I'm in the building, somebody switched to the car. Did you guys enjoy Nick Grant's project? So, hold on, let's, let's double back real quick. Okay. Ja came into the group chat and said, What did you say, Ja? What was your message? I said, this is some of the best rapping all year long. This is some of the best rapping that I've heard this year in 2020. That's what he said. I saw that message. I saw Nick Grant's name. And I and I remember him from the same freestyle Jaws referring to. And I've always heard of Nick's name associated with lyricism, strong rapping, you know, rapper's rapper. So when he said this, I just remember that I was a little disappointed in his album that I didn't see that rapper rapper. So I didn't I didn't press play immediately. I waited a couple of days cuz I was like I don't want to I don't want Jaws comment to have me excited for something if I was going to be disappointed. So You I'm, didn't trust your friend, yo? No, it's not oh that I didn't God. trust my friend. <laughs> I have to brace myself 
Christina, I have to. Because when I get disappointed, I'm deeply disappointed. And I'll, come on a, I'll come on the podcast and say mean things. And I don't want to be mean. <laughs> yeah, just, how, mean. How, how you did with Anderson Pack, which is uncalled for. <laughs> but I'm going to let it go. Yeah. I want to let that go. See, see, <laughs> John knows. John knows my disappointment runs deep, and I wasn't ready. So I I'm press play. I press play. I heard the tape three times. It's a quick 15 minutes. It's like five songs, 15 minutes. And I was impressed. I was like, oh, yeah, Jaws right. I don't know about the best rapping of the year, but as far as if you're coming into a project expecting lyricism from a rapper who is expected to be a lyricist, he is the mark for me. I totally think he nailed it this time. Just as a rapper, like he really got into his rap bag as far as just from the lyricism flows, even the way the songs are like written, you can tell that the intentions of this project was to showcase penmanship, if nothing else. And I've been looking for that. I've been looking for the rapper poets, the ones who are only caring about writing versus Oh, constructing the best songs or constructing the best hits. Like this is just a rap project for people who want to hear someone just go. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. Okay. I dig that. I dig that. I think it helped going into this project that I had no idea what to expect. I hadn't previously heard of Nick Grant before. I didn't know the backstory. Um, and really the only, I guess, barometer I had, or like the only way I could really gauge like what I was about to listen to was really Jaws taste in general has leaned very grayscale lately. It's been very like Griselda. It's been like very, like Jaws taste has been like, I feel like you're on something right now Mm -hmm. where I feel like I kind of know what to expect before I press play. And when I press play, I was like, yup. (laughs) This is it right here. This is it right here. So that being said, go um as I'm listening, I'm hearing a lot of frustration being let out because he alludes to having these gripes with these labels and kind of having to wrestle with these different expectations as he's talking about everything else which I thought was interesting because dude still sounds pretty young. I don't know how old he actually is, but even though he's talking about his heroes being like these elder rap statesmen, he himself still sounds young. Um, So it's, it it was just an interesting uh, introduction to an artist who has already seen some things and done some things. But as you as you guys were saying, um, there was a departure at one point. And that's really interesting to me. Um, I just listened to the title track for Return of the Cool. And at the mention of Cufflinks, I turned it off because I was like, what the hell is, <laughs> is this? Like, I, I was so confused. And like even before the project, I didn't mean to cut you off, but now I'm like, you said that and they like spun me in a direction. Um, Let's talk about it. Well, no, I was just so... I thought we were kind of past that in rap music to a certain extent, right? Like Return of the Cool came out in 2017. It wasn't that, that, that long ago. 
So I thought we were kind of past that point of rappers where you have to like make an image as far as like, you know, put on this shiny chain and put on this, this, you know, I, I, did, I thought we were past that. I thought that we all understood that at this point, we've got Tyler, the creators and Kendrick Lamar's and two Chainses, And like everyone is all here together. We all rapping like we don't have to put on these airs of what you think a rapper is supposed to look like or whatever. And everything about that first album just scream trope cliche. And I was as disappointed. Like it just I was like, damn, bro, like. I don't know exactly whose idea it is, so I'm not going to attempt to lay blame at anyone in particular's feet. But at some point, Nick must have gone with it because he thought it was cool. And his management and, you know, Jason Jeter and them guys must have thought, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was Jason Jeter and hip hop. I could be wrong about that. But I know Jason Jeter had a part of they were taking this project on. And I they must have thought it was cool at the time. But I just didn't understand. To me, it didn't translate into anything. And I don't know. I just didn't. I just it just kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. When was the last time that like luxury rap, as in like cufflinks, was really in vogue? I can't remember. <sighs> Not for. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you're Rick Ross or somebody, that's cool. If you if you're doing that, but. Like you're a brand new artist, no one's heard of you. Why are you talking about your cufflinks? Like, we don't, like if nah. you talk about your cufflinks, I'm assuming you're rich, but we've never heard of you before. You don't. You're not coming out saying that you're rich per se. You're a kid who's good at rapping. So like, why are we talking about being rich when we're that, not? That's true. Anywhere Rick Ross rich. is really like, like a John Grisham in that like he's a serial novelist. Like this is his world, and, and, he, and you live in his we, world. You live in his world, yeah. exactly. Whereas Nick Grant hadn't necessarily... We knew he hadn't come from that world yet. And then all of a sudden, you go for it and you're like... Well, like a rich pimp in a Cadillac all of a sudden. I'm like, well, <laughs> hold on. How do we get here? I don't. Well, I think there is an expectation once you have a, a label situation for you to live and act as a signed artist. So mm-hmm. I think it projects I'll need to have an image. I really do believe, especially in that... 2015 to 2018 period a lot of rappers that were coming up wanted to define themselves very quickly who they were what their image was because it appeared to us especially after like the currency era lifestyle rap that you needed to have yourself defined to build a fan base Mm-hmm. But not enough sure. rappers really lean into the fact that I just rap well like I think that is a complete okay uniform to wear that I am a rapper's rapper. It just it doesn't seem like as much confidence is laid into that way of thinking. Like you had to have a pink polo. You know, you need to have that shirt or that hat or that necklace or that thing to define you as, okay, I'm outside of what you normally get from rap music. When really all you need to do is be exceptional with your words. No, that's totally legit. And I mean, part of that, Part of that is, I think, a certain level of like maybe uh, creative PTSD that some rappers might have had or maybe still have, because for a long time, the industry definitely would shame a rapper who was just rapidly rap. Like the phrase rapidly rap turned into a thing that was like, we know what we're talking about when we say rapidly rap, but to a certain extent, it's 
condescending to the to the idea of like, okay, you can rap really well, but that isn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And that's a, and that's a weird thing to say about a art form that is full of words and speaking. <laughs> 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 but, but it happened, and that we went through that time period. So, yeah, to your to your point, yo, I mean, yeah, I think having to define yourself real quick about who, who you are, what you are, is was definitely a thing. And if you haven't actually figured that out as a human being, you might not know how to do that as an artist. Hmm. I mean, this is an interesting debate that we're having right now, but I don't know if it 100% applies to what Nick is doing here, just because I feel like in this project, there are glimmers of at least a backstory to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, You hear all these references to wisdom that his granny passed on, on, and even just like with the sort of rap heroes he extols, whether that's Nas... Jay-Z, Biggie, Tupac. Yes, they're all like default top five rappers, but all these guys have interesting backstories as well. Mm. So I think from there, you could pretty much infer like what his values are in an artist. And I don't know if it 100% equals like I only care about words. I think those names speak greater volumes that I can't really articulate. But I think a backstory counts for something for Nick. At least based on this project alone. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It gives him it does feel like this is not the first chapter, which I I enjoy. I enjoy that this seems to be a middle passage release where you've been in the game a little bit, you've experienced the game, and you and you feel like you have a fresh perspective now. He sounds like he doesn't sound old, but he sounds mature. He doesn't sound lost. Like, he doesn't sound lost at all. He knows exactly the point of view he wants to present here. I think the Tay B speeches are great for Nick. Like, these, these, like, very minimalistic soul beats, they just Mm -hmm. hit. They just hit for him. You know, like, I've always been a fan of Tay Beast since the TDDE days. Like, the work he's done with Absol and Kendrick and Schoolboy very early on, I always felt laid the foundation for them to be the artists that we know today. So to see Nick collaborate with somebody who was uh, super instrumental in the early offerings of those artists that we know and love, like it feels like the right step in the right direction. It just it yeah. just it just it just felt right. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the. That was the thing that that took me back, and I mean, and and to, to be fully transparent about it, after that disappointment of that first album, I really wasn't checking for Nick Grant anymore. Like I knew he could rap, and I knew he was dope, but I wasn't really actively searching him to see like what was going to be new. I was just disappointed in that thing, and it kind of just turned me off of even caring. And my homie from high school sent me a DM with. Uh, what's the last song called? Black Windows. Mm-hmm. And he sent mm-hmm. me that record, and I was like, "Oh shit, this this feels right. Like this feels like what he was supposed to have sounded like from when I was disappointed three years ago." So let me see what else. And I thought it was just a single at first. Then I realized there was this project, and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Well, five new songs. If they all feel like this, then maybe he's doing the right thing." And as soon as I press play on the first record, it all came back, and I was like, okay, yeah, 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 he gets it now. 
<laughs> now we're, <laughs> now yeah. we're going in the right direction. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, Black Windows, when I got to the end of the project, I was like, yo, these songs are getting better. Right. Like, that's how it feels. It feels like each record gets a little bit better. And I really enjoyed how lean it is. I, I've been into really short projects lately. Like, if you can give me a good eight, give me a Kobe, I'm great. That's all, that's all you really that's need. All, that's all I need is a strong eight. I don't really need no more than that. I'll take 11, 13. But really, short projects that each song gets better excites me. Because it, mm. it feels like you are aware that every second counts. So you need, and I feel like that's what he's very aware that he's on the clock. And that's like the songs aren't long. He didn't do any like five minute, three verse records. Like, no, these joints are lean. Some of these joints don't even have hooks. It's just, he just runs down for like just two runs minutes through. and 40 seconds. That's true. <laughs> and yeah. Two minutes and 40 seconds of bars and life experience. And then I'm going to get the hell out of here and go to do another one. I think it's a really good middle ground between a mixtape and an EP. Where you can tell these are original records, but they're not constructed to be an album. You know, I'm not trying to give you some long, concise concept narrative. I'm not after TikTok or radio. Like, I'm just rapping. There's a couple mm-hmm. of songs that's constructed, mm-hmm. like written. You know, you got a BJ Chicago Kid hook. Right. You got, you know, there's there's songs, there's records. But for the most part, I think your attention should always be on the rapping here. And it's kind of crazy because, like, Griselda does that really well. Keeps the focus mm-hmm. on the rapping. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't see that as much when I listen to songs. Like, I, I was playing Big Sean's album, and he has a lot of rapping, but you can it's like 20 songs right yeah 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 is is long-winded i'll say that sean is long-winded and i i just i really appreciate brevity right now like if you can just cut to the chase and get it to me in such a concise manner i'll come back to it that's why i ended up playing it three times because it was just it was easy to play back yeah would you accept that format from an album like if an artist came out and said this is my debut album here's seven songs yes my debut yes. project absolutely please please <laughs> where's the where's the petition i'll sign right now i'll go to atlantic and interscope and just like seven track albums not this, the mixtape not the ep no, no, this no. is the album Nah, put these rappers on the clock. You have seven records to do it. Now, yeah, I think if you do two or three songs, that's that's like getting a 50-page book and calling it a debut novel. Mm-hmm. I might feel a little bit ripped <laughs> off. Right. But something like seven feels substantial enough. And it also kind of speaks to confidence. You got to be confident enough to be like, this is all you're getting, this but trust is me, this is going done. to be substantial. Yeah. Yeah. I admire that confidence. Yeah. Rather than turning in an Anna Karenina bullshit, which just sounds like what Sean did. <laughs> well, I guess the other part, too, is I guess there's value nowadays in, I mean, maybe it's a little different now because we're not like driving as much, but I think there's value in being able to like leave your house, press play, and by the time you get to wherever you're going, 
you're you're parking it, you're pulling into the parking spot, and like the last song or close to the last song on their project is yeah. playing. I think there's value in that. I mean, you can give somebody a good 25, 30 minute commute somewhere. Please. And I feel like that's like you did them a service. They will remember your album. They will probably hold it near and dear to themselves. They can play it real fast a bunch of times if they like it that much. Mm-hmm. And it's not an encumbrance to their day. Yeah. I hate I hate stopping in the middle of a thought or like in the middle of the song. I don't know why, but something about that just pisses me off. It's like, oh, I'm not gonna remember. Like, yeah, no, finish the song. Whatever that feeling I'm having right now, I just need yes. to sit through this next ninety seconds so I can just soak <laughs> it all up, and then I can proceed with whatever I was gonna do. I think, yeah, for I, sure. I think there's a big misconception that when people say that music is too long or an album is too long, that it's a criticism against the amount of songs and that's not really what it is it's the length of time because if you give me 20 records and they're like an hour and 15 minutes let's say my commute is 30 minutes so i only get halfway through the album but like all the things that you're thinking about in your day from like your text messages emails tweets facebook instagram like there's just way more information coming at you so i think it's harder to digest longer albums because you just have way less space in your head shorter albums allow you to fill up smaller spaces in your mind but they can have a deeper impact and mm-hmm. i think that yeah. you need sure. to adjust to the time of how much information people are processing now versus how many songs you want to give them. Because I think if you adjust Mm. to the times, especially what people are kind of going through, like you got to just look at your audience now. They're just processing way more information. They just are. Mm. Like if they follow you on Twitter and Instagram and SoundCloud and Spotify, like just think of all the places they just look at you at. So imagine all the other artists they have to follow, they have to keep up with. Man, the best way to cut through the noise, short and concise. Well, that is if you like, I feel like I'm always saying, yeah, but but (laughs) I mean, I feel like it all depends on the number of ideas you actually have. Like I'm thinking about, you know, some of Nick Grant's role models and those those artists could hold your attention for an hour plus simply because they had so much to say and they had so many ideas. If you don't have that many ideas, don't try to keep me waiting. I think that's yeah. what it kind of comes I like down that. To. I like that yeah. point. That's a good yeah, point. No, for sure. Because there's a certain level of like, there's a certain level of creative dishonesty, right? It's like you have 19 <laughs> songs. I like but that. But these aren't all good and you know they're not all good and there was no reason to force them upon us other than metrics or whatever math that the label wants to come up with to meet whatever quota they thought they want to meet but yeah you Mm -hmm. don't have 19 good ideas you have right seven and a half right that might let you that i might let you stretch to nine yeah (laughs) If, 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 if you just really need to get one of these out but the strength of your ideas the strength of what you're talking about will definitely determine i still don't necessarily need 20 but it is definitely a factor in how much you can get away with as far as number of songs. And I think we would have a warmer relationship with deluxe albums if you had seven tracks and then you added like four. Yeah. The, you the, know, the, the deluxe being 12, 13 <laughs> is like, that's kind of dope. That, that's the deluxe. Like, I'll be way happier with <laughs> that idea. I don't need 27 songs, guys. It's, nah. it's crazy. I'm looking at uh, Jay Z's blueprint. 
track list right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, 13 records, really. Mm-hmm. And you think about how no one else really tried to do that. Even though this is called The Blueprint, it seems like everything that Jay-Z offered us, the 13-track album is something that no one really tried to make their own. And I would love to kind of see a rapper commit to just 13 records, 11 records, 10 records. Because I, I just if you lean it out, and you're right about the creative dishonesty, especially in 2020 where it seems like you can just cut records seamlessly, it's very right. easy to cut a song. Like I think it's a challenge now to say less is more. Yeah. I yeah. And yeah, I mean there's, sure. there's something about um I was just looking at uh Kendrick's damn track list. He had, I thought he had 13, it was 14. Duckworth was 14. 14. Uh. But but for, but that 14 is a solid 14 because even though Fear is a pretty long song I feel like I play this album pretty quickly. It's fast, and it's an yeah. hour. It is. It is fifty-five minutes. So I mean, it's basically a whole hour. But I, I, feel I like guess I can go through damn quickly. It's really thirteen because blood isn't a song. Well, blood isn't a song. You're right. You're yeah, right. So, it really so it's like 13. thirteen yeah. compared to butterfly, which was sixteen. But butterfly was long. Yeah. Yeah. No. That by the is. time I get, by the time I got to, once I get past. Uh, like once I get around that Rhapsody record, it starts to be like, damn, we're still here. <laughs> like, that's the point. Like if you were in church and you kind of wait for the pastor to wrap it up and he goes on for like one more verse that he wants to run down, I used to looking at it like, all right, like I dig what you're saying, but like, damn, we're still here, bro. I really have to pee, sir. Like <laughs> I, I, I kind of kind of got to go, bro. I hear you though. I hear you. I, I'm not discounting your message. I do hear everything you're saying, but now. <laughs> my human impatience is starting to catch up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, so the other funny thing about this project is that, um, I mean, I feel like Nick clearly doesn't really identify with the current times. Um, I don't know if he ever really has necessarily, but um, you kind of get the sense that you know, all of his heroes, all his childhood heroes are from the 90s. And he's always looking back on that era really fondly. But somehow I feel like while sounding out of time, this project also sounds very timely because between like a Griselda and, or an Arm and Hammer, there's like this little subgenre of like trap and classic movies where it's like this is the this is the black and white world that a lot of these younger artists want to live in. And I and I think you can definitely add this project to that sort of outlook where people just want to live in black and white pseudo mobster movies all the time. Yeah, there's something there is. Like it feels like underground rapping has more value than it did like over these past few years. I feel like underground type rappers have been more, um, I guess, lauded or more appreciated or more, not necessarily mainstream, because it's definitely not mainstream or it's definitely not propped up in the same way as it would have been in the 90s with the, you know, Source Magazine cover or Rap City feature or something like that. But between Griselda and um, 
uh, Makami and like you said, Arm and Hammer and like there's uh, even going back further, even if you go to like Sean P and like rappers like that, like there is a presence of underground rapping that seems to be appreciated now, maybe than it was a lot more in the early 2000s when it felt like some of that started to get um, washed out. Yeah, do you feel like it's because they're actually in the underground now? Like they're back in the New York sewers? Not saying that Nick Grant is, but... There might be something to that. There might be something to that. I mean, obviously keeping a traditional boom bap soul sample driven type music and then having, you know, rappers who are committed to being rappers in in the most traditional way possible. I mean, there's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a place that Jan Sports can be happy with. And it's a place <laughs> that if you are like, if you dibble and dabble in mainstream rap and you like some underground dusty shit sometimes, like there's something there for you too. <laughs> got you, got you. There is a, there's something to be said about what the underground is now, like the parameters of it. Because you, you have artists who are signed to labels. You have artists who haven't announced that they're signed. Then you have the artists who are new and buzzing. And then you have the guys who have been working for a while and they haven't hit a certain threshold that you would associate with mainstream or uh, hyper notoriety. And it's the artists who stay in that space between notoriety and unknown. Like, they're, they're, they're unpredictable. Because it's not like being one hit away. It's more like one, one mixtape or one album or one cosign. Like, you never know where it's going to come from. But when it happens, mm-hmm. there is a transition. Like, we saw with Griselda. They went from being, mm-hmm. like, this super underground collective to Jay-Z knowing who they are and to them being on you Drake know late shows about them in interviews. exactly you know it, it changed so fast I think but some people will look back at Griselda and be like nah it was slow so it just, it just depends on where the artists are and the perspective that you're looking at it because you know Nick Grant could put out let's say like two or three more projects this year or two or three next projects over the next 18 months and he could be in a completely different position than he is today. Sure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. But I mean, you, yeah. you, but you said something that I'm glad that you said because I wanted to bring up as well is that, well, it actually is two points. A, um, I think this project, I mean, I always beat this drum about one rapper, one producer, but I just believe in that at some point, like if you want to establish some type of foundation, you should rap over one producer's beats or at least a majority of one producer's beats for a whole project, whatever that whole project is, if it's 15 songs, 10 songs, seven songs, EP, whatever it is, like having that simpatico with like your guy, whoever your guy is or your girl is, like get that under you and have that as the basis of something for people to look forward to going forward. So like, I don't know how the relationship between Tay and Nick evolved. I don't know if they've been known each other for a long time and they just got a chance to work together now or if they just met each other recently and they just struck a chord real quick and they realized, oh, hey, we can do this together as a thing and it makes sense. But when to your point, yo, about artists who may be signed and aren't talking about being signed, I just can't listen to this and not think is Nick Grant 
like low key signed a TDE and they're just not ready to come oh. out with whatever they're ready to come out with. Oh, interesting. Because interesting. obviously Tay is still TDE and I know there's pictures of three of them with Punch. Uh, I know Punch put Nick on a song that he put out earlier this year. So it just kind of makes me think. And this, this project doesn't have any definable um, uh, corporation attached to it. It just says... I think I saw like Nick Grant LLC or yeah, something yeah, extremely Music, literal. Tay uh, Beast Music LLC and 21 Grams LLC, whatever 21 Grams LLC is. But there's no record oh. label associated with this. So it just makes me think like, are they just kind of... Is this a, I don't want to say audition, but is this like, okay, let's just test this out and see how it sounds without putting, stamping TDE all over it? Or is, Maybe it is a test run. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems pretty, I mean, TDE hasn't really released much this year, seemingly on purpose. They've thrown out little singles and, you know, Absol throwing out a song, Schoolboy Q. Did that album come out this year or last year? That was last year, right? Didn't uh, it's Crash been Talk? a long year? It's been yeah. a very long year, but it feels like Crash <laughs> Talk came out last yeah, year. Yeah, no, that was last year. That was last yeah, year, the, the end of 29th, right? So, I don't think they've had any, they haven't put out any albums this year, just throwing out singles here and there. So, if right. they in, in my in my conspiracy, my rap conspiracy mind, I'm like, well, maybe they just committed to <laughs> not putting out a TDE release, but they're gonna, you know, we'll put this nick out there and just let it be what it is. Added to the conspiracy theory whiteboard where you draw all the arrows. All the like arrows and how all this stuff other. goes together. Yeah. But yeah. to me, he would fit in great in TDE. To me, it sounds like something that would be right up their alley. Yeah. Do you think there needs to be a home for Southern artists that don't... I don't want to say don't sound Southern because I don't want to say that either, but whose role models exists on the other coast rather than the third coast. I think that was something that even plagues clips and push a T to this day. Uh, people don't really understand that. Like those who come out of the South don't always have to, um, I don't know, D4L it or something. I don't know. Why uh, that, that came those, to mind. <laughs> I wouldn't, I would, I think it would be cool to have a Southern rap label who that, has those type of things. I mean, the closest thing I could say to that would probably be Dreamville, because right. I still consider that. I mean, North Carolina is the South, as far as I'm concerned. So absolutely. Um, but no. But if there was, I wouldn't. I would love to see a place that develops that type of talent, that type of sound, where we just do dope ass rapidy rap, and we're from the South, wherever we're from as a collective or if it's just, you know, artists out of Atlanta. Cause I mean, there's a bunch of artists here in Atlanta who are on that. I feel like they're on that kind of wave. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, I feel like hip hop, that form of hip hop was never shunned in the South. It was really the other way around. Yeah. True. Like, I don't think the South ever had a beef with, oh, turn this Wu-Tang shit off or turn this Biggie Small shit off or turn this, you know what I'm saying? Like, I never felt that vibe from down here it was normally just the east coast up north that was kind of like what is this country shit yeah right. hold on i want to i want to kind of go back to jaw's theory about nick in a potential td situation okay. i i don't think so i don't think he's signed what do you know yo i know nothing <laughs> it sounds uh -huh. like cat. I, 
I know nothing. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me let me just let me work this thought out. Okay. Because I I feel like this tape would have been perfect for reason. If he wanted a situation where he was able to just like rap, these tape beats would have been ideal for him. But for whatever reason, we haven't seen a tape like this come from reason. And I and I really think thinking of reason, I think TDE has a roster that they're still trying to work out. They got a lot going on. They still got Isaiah. They still mm-hmm. got Scissor. They still got Reason. Um, it's just to me as a roster of artists, they haven't been able to really nail this second phase. I think the first phase of TDE True. would probably be all the way up to um, yeah, Scissor control releasing. That's the first phase. Everything after that, I feel like they have not been able to kind of maintain that same uh, continuity of energy. Like, man, TDE was running rap at one point in time. And now mm-hmm. they have a strong footing. But I feel like, you know, with Crash Talk, there's been no Absol record. They, Like I said, like Reason really hasn't got his footing in all the way through. Uh, Lance, remember Lance? Yeah, he Lance, never yeah. really got his footing, so I I can't imagine them oh, signing but, another but sir, artist. But Sir got his off. Sir, got yeah, his Sir, off. sir I, got I, his I, off. And that's yeah. the second. That's the second phase. To me, that's yeah. the second phase he, win. To me, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. It's, like it, if this was if this was a Marvel universe, Sir would be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and like it worked. And some it of the worked. other ones didn't work as well, but yeah. that one that worked one really, worked. Really well. Yes, man. So. I, if anything, I think they're red coating, Nick. Mm. Well, you're, you're, I do think this is a test run that's going to open up a lot of doors. I can see uh, various labels being interested. I can see Jay and Rock Nation hearing this and being like, "Yo, where's this kid from? Where is this guy at? Let's 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 see what the situation is." See, that makes me nervous. I don't know, why, Cause, man. Because Rock Nation hasn't like the Rock Nation as Rock Nation hasn't. Springboarding anything yet either. No, I mean, at least TDE has. Well, def- wait, define springboarding. Like, I mean, like from the ground up. I mean, or or close to the ground. Maybe not like on the dirt floor, but like maybe on like the first five steps. And then what about it- Megan? But Megan was Megan. She and that's management. That's not. She's not their artist, really. Oh, okay. She's managed by Rock Nation, but I mean, Megan was—I mean, Big Old Freak and all that was out way before Rock Nation signed. So, so like, when's the last? Uh, who is the last artist to really pop out? That's from what, Rock I, can't, Nation? I can't name you one. That's, was my, it? that's was my point. It? Like uh, the people—they they manage Griselda now, but Griselda was already Griselda, and now they man, and now okay. Rock Nation manages Griselda. Like they manage Rihanna, yeah. they manage these people who and I. That's not no diss to them, but I'm just saying like I haven't seen them pull it from the ground and turn it into a thing. And so Rock Nation as a new artist, yes, that makes me nervous. What what about Rhapsody? Mm, Was Rhapsody evergreen when she went to Rock Nation? I I think it was the same situation. Yeah, same thing kind of. I feel like she was already Rhapsody before the Rock Nation management thing came to bear. Like, Yeah, I hear you. I just think that I would pick Nick Grant in that same class of rap as Rhapsody, which is why I think he would attract the attention. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, have their attention. Absolutely have their attention. Now, now look, now, look, now, 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 who he goes work with uh, is beyond me. It's beyond me. But I do think, but I do think you, you, with an album like this, a project like this, you create the conversations. 
And I believe mm. every artist, no matter where you are in your career, you need a conversation starting project. Yeah. You do. No matter if you're at the beginning, middle, or end of your career, if mm. you cannot make the people talk, then you are always going to be struggling to get to that next stage. Right. So I feel like he was able to create that conversation starting project. Now, depending on what he does with this, it's funny because I was just talking to a friend about Little Dirk and the Drake feature. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what do you do after you get your Drake feature? Because you start the conversation, but now the clock starts to tick. You have to either release a big single, you have to release a big project, you have to use that momentum for something in hopes of taking those conversations further. Because the last thing you want to do is hold your cars too long and the people stop talking. No, that's legit. I mean, with, with this Nick thing, I don't know... I don't know what the next part of it is. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm sure they're going to put out, you know, videos or more content or whatever. Um, But to your point about, like, TDE and what they have going on and Reason, I've also never seen them. I mean, if if Nick isn't signed to them, I don't know his... And obviously, like I said, this isn't coming out as a TDE project, but, like, has any other TDE producer or been that affiliated with something that didn't have anything to do with TDE at all? Uh. Like, it, it seems to me that if these beats, if these beats were just around, Reason would have rapped on them. Or he, they, or he never heard them ever. But they I sound like beats he would definitely so. rapped on. So if he hasn't, it makes it sound, the other option is that Tay made all of these for Nick. And if he yeah. made all of these for Nick, what does that mean? That means that they, they must have some type of, like, real relationship if he just I mean Tay Tay could be out here expanding which I would love to see I think he's a great producer I would love for him to expand his wings and to work with more artists uh man it's so many different ways you could play this and there's a lot of different ways it could be seen through and I, and I really like the way your mind's thinking because when you're a producer signed to a label you would think you would feed the label artist i don't think we've ever seen a reason tay beast record don't quote me on saying. that like, don't quote I, me I, on I, it because it's possible but i don't I mean, remember might, one he, no maybe he did one or two on that on that last reason tape that came out um but music earlier this year or late last year as well but i just i i didn't know them to be I didn't know that project to be helmed by any one particular person, even if they have one record. Mm. But it's like Tay is, to me, that's like Swiss doing a records on brand new artists during a time when he was Swiss. And this has nothing to do with Rough Riders. Right. But it seems like it would be a Rough Riders artist. It seems like it would fit with DMX and the locks and drag on. And, but this is just Swiss doing some thing over here that has nothing to do. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, that could just be my rap conspiracy theory. But to me, it would, it would make sense. But I understand what you're saying, though, yo, because they do have a lot going on, and it feels like there's still some uh, unfulfilled prophecies at TDE. Man. And it's like, why take on new challenges when you haven't really you finished know. cooking the other but food? That's my, that's my perspective. And I always thought them to be a label that did a really good job at slow-burning artists. I think when they had Kendrick, J-Rock, Schoolboy, and Absol as their starting four, all those artists went through a very well executed slow burn. Mm-hmm. It took it took Kendrick Lamar like five years to become Kendrick Lamar. For sure. So, you know, I just think they look at things slower. 
which is fine. But that's why, like, with Nick, is he's always been through, like, the slow burn. So it would make perfect sense if they want to add another Southern artist, uh, another Carolina artist. Like, it would it would be dope. Like, I, I wouldn't be mad at that at all. But uh, is, there, is there any label you would like to see him on that you think would be able to help manage his talent and kind of push him further in the right direction? Not a major label. I mean, like, to me, to, I mean, to me, if we're talking about like boutique labels, it's really TDE, maybe Love Renaissance. I don't know if I could, I could kind of see it maybe a little with Love Renaissance. I don't know. That, that, that would be interesting. I don't know if it's an exact fit, but I can see Nick Grant featuring Black. I can see that. That would be cool. That doesn't that, sound that that would be cool. That doesn't sound crazy to me. Nick Grant featuring Summer Walker doesn't sound insane to me. It sounds like okay. I would like to see that. So I could I can see that possibly. I can kind of see Interscope. Interscope okay. likes the rappers right now. You they know they like got the they got like a Deontay Hitchcock, who I think That's true. like. I can see a Nick Grant Deontay record. He signed the Interscope proper, right? Like not like he signed the Interscope. He's not signed like two. Let me see. Let's pull up and see what is his project come out of. No, no, my bad. I'm wrong. He's RCA. Oh, RCA. No, no, no. Okay, but it's still but it's, but it's RCA proper, right? It's not like some. Uh, it's not like something VRCA. Well, was by it? Storm Entertainment and RCA records. Oh, Mark Pitts, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Mark Pitts. Yeah, by yeah, Storm, yeah. by Storm, I can see picking up Nick Grant. Yeah, but Mark Pitts has always been a guy. I mean, this is a guy that that worked like Biggie Records. This is a guy like Mark Pitts knows, <laughs> yeah. knows yeah. rappers. So like that, yeah. that makes all the sense in the world to me. Yeah, interesting. That would be cool. I, I wouldn't mind if Mark Pitts and, and Nick did like a one-off thing just to see what one album looks like. Also, bring back one albums, one album deals. I because I, I bring him back. Yeah, well, I don't know if they ever really existed. I know single deals existed, but to me, one-offs would be very cool to see in the industry to give. Because I think when artists sign longer term contracts let's say you signed for three albums and that first album didn't really come out the way you guys wanted it to come out and now you have friction for the other two like it just doesn't work i feel like if we just do one together with the opportunity to re-sign for more then you get a chance to kind of go through the process with a team see how you like them and then if it works out you do more projects but if it doesn't work out you're able to slide and then kind of move on i really think contracts hurt a lot of artists careers because they don't have the flexibility to see what the other opportunities are out there for their talent you spend too long on a label it's like being shelved like you yeah. kind of gotta you kind of have to have some flexibility to really just kind of see how you can stretch your talent I think it definitely depends on the expectations going into that deal also because if the expectation is you're going to hit it big from the first project onward and if you don't we're going to treat you like we're going to be your disappointed parents <laughs> then of course it's going to feel like a ball and chain but if the expectation is that you're going to develop over these three albums and we want to see you through this longer term process 
then that's all like fine and cool. Like if there's like an understanding that there's going to be an evolution, then that's fine. Now, granted, I haven't heard of that shit since Led Zeppelin, so I don't even know if that shit exists <laughs> well, anymore. Well, that's, that's what I was going to say. So, like labels aren't willing to take that development risk anymore. So yeah. you would think the thing that would make sense is if you're the label to minimize risk and to maximize your chances of having a developed artist already in your wheelhouse the thing to me would be say this is a one album deal with a three album option and if this first album performs at a certain level then we automatic will automatically we automatically go into re-upping those other two albums which motivates the label to actually do a good job the first time around and spend you know, you don't have to spend a ridiculous amount of money, but really maximize whatever resources you decide to dedicate to that thing. And if you actually win, then you win because you get this artist now who's a big deal for another two albums automatically. And for the artist, they can feel like, OK, cool, we can put out this project. And if it only performs average, I'm not tied to these average ass people and I can go about my business. And if it performs great, then I know I've got a great team of people that can make my next albums do great. And it seemed like that mm-hmm. would be a win-win to protect everybody, but I don't think that the nature of business is about protecting people. So, Ooh. here we are. That's why Nick is sour on that. <laughs> and, and, and I don't, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Like I said, I don't know what that past because he was with Epic. That first album came out under Epic, so I don't know what uh, the situation was over there. I don't know who was telling him to dress in a pimp fur. And drive a Cadillac <laughs> and put on like a big hat. I don't know who said any of those things, but like that was obviously a bad idea because none of that <laughs> shit worked. So you know, here we are now with something that makes a lot more sense. And I guess it just is now a question of, like you said, how do you keep the conversation going? Because not for nothing, like in my just you know non scientific research. This is a great little project to me, but I don't see really any, I don't see enough talking about it. Not enough that I would feel like, okay, people are like seeing what this is going on over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because well, this shit he... came out in June or like this shit came out, it's like this project is like two months old, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. What a timeline we're in. I mean, well, now, yeah, granted, everything is crazy right now. So I'm not going to like blame that necessarily on Nick Grant or, you know, the listeners, even for that matter, because people are dealing with, you know real life shit you're trying to relaunch your career in the middle of a pandemic when people are losing their fucking minds it's going to be a little difficult but i mean this shit definitely came out in like june yeah that's why so (laughs) here we are in september excited like yo you hear that new nick grant (laughs) 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 told you time doesn't exist (laughs) no you're right time (laughs) does not exist anymore as all in the past, that was pre-COVID. Was when we had yeah, time. Yeah, no, I, I, I swear when I played it, I thought this came out last week. Like I thought, yeah, John, yeah, I thought it, John, it could have. It might as well have. Yeah, I gotta say, it's aging well. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't sound dated to me. Yeah, um, yeah. that's so crazy. Yeah. We're oh talking about God. dated. It's three months old. Right, but I, oh I, I did text a friend saying that this Nick Grannon Tabies EP is something, and she responded, "Isn't it? He so slept on." And I feel like that exchange was exactly how most people who listen to nick feel that he so slept on and i never can fully comprehend how does an artist 
get out of that he so slept on period of their career like what is the next Mm. step how do you stop being slept on that's a really really profound question how do you stop because i mean you could say just keep working right but that doesn't necessarily mean that anyone's still listening more than they were listening a year ago or two years ago when you're still working hard at it and you haven't made that breakthrough yet Mm -hmm. i'm not telling you to quit but i'm just saying like how to not be slept on. I mean, J. Cole could have been Nick Grant. Yes. Like, J. Cole happened to be signed to Jay-Z and that, you know, early Rock Nation provided a certain... Oh, yeah, I guess I guess they get credit for Cole. I guess I gotta take well, that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it took you long enough, right? It <laughs> yeah. took you long enough. It, it, but, but, but how crazy it is is because I don't associate Cole with Rock Nation at all. My, and that's my, probably my, for the better. Of course it's, honestly. it's for a thousand yeah. percent for the better for him. But yes. the fact that he got away, like, I don't think about them at all. And I'm sure they have put, I'm sure the great people over there who have done lots of hard work to help Cole in his career moving forward. I'm not saying they didn't do anything. But J. Cole has also benefited from that feeling that you're talking about. For this sure. sense that not enough people are talking about him. And like, what about Cole? What about Cole? He went platinum without a feature. What about Cole? So I think with, in Nick's position, he has to get to a place where all these people that say that he slept on need to be able to connect. And then from there, it's like the chorus gets louder and louder. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just thinking really basic, but that's where it kind of all starts. Because right now, we, as in like the people that are listening to him, feel isolated. But the moment that we start talking with each other and people start overhearing those conversations, that's when people get to eavesdropping, and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm missing out on something. Mm. So I guess that's the first step, is that Nick has to be able to connect these folks together. Put, his, to put, where, put your fans together in the same room. Yeah. And let them be mm-hmm. a unified voice to say, hey, 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 this is dope. We're, we're all here, here for you. Yeah, yeah. We're all yeah, here we're, for you. We're all here for you, and then when we're talking, like you said, people will overhear how loud and excited we are about us being mm-hmm. here. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's like the teenage girls at the Big Sean concert, or no, Tyga concert, the one that you were always talking about. That was the weirdest concert, bro. <laughs> like, there was like grown women in there, and there was also children in there, and they all loved the exact same song. This <laughs> 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 like, yeah, what is going on in here? Some of y'all are 23, and some of y'all are 12. And everybody's in here jamming the deuces. Like, Michelle, I, I gotta bro. say, and this is. <laughs> This is something that I've, I've been thinking about. You might have to open for someone bigger than you to help cultivate that fan base. Mm-hmm. Because Wayne took Drake and Nicki and Tiger, took everyone on tour when they were doing the Young Money album and put them on stadiums. Jay-Z took Jay Cole and Wale on the Blueprint 3 tour, put them on stadiums. And I'll never forget when Jay-Z was here doing the 444 tour. I was in the elevator going to my car. There was an older black couple and they had asked me, hey, who was the opener? And I said, his name was Vic Mensa. And they were like, we're gonna look him up when we get home. And that's the thing, it's like if you, and it's hard to do because there's only so many big name artists, but if you can get yourself on a tour that allows you to perform in front of an audience who do not know who you are, and you're able to win them over, that's how you start to build that community that's going to be loud for you. 
But then, yeah. I, I think, and I think that's the hardest thing to do is because strategically, that's not an opportunity given to everybody. You know, you got to right. have some type of management deal, label deal. And that's what I really believe is the strongest reason why major label artists have the biggest fan bases is because they get the cosigns and not just a feature, like to be taken on the road to perform for way more people than you've ever seen in your life is a leg up on anybody sure. else. Nah, absolutely. I mean, I mean think sure. of how badly how think of how badly COVID put a dent in so many new mm-hmm. artists and artists that we haven't even heard of plans. I mean, even from like even with Grip, like it's mm-hmm. it's like Grip is very fortunate to have been able to do that European tour with Jid in a time where you could A still do tours and Jid is like one of the brightest young up and coming on the way to being established artists that are that are out right now and you get to see all of those people who all become loud voices for you mm-hmm. and as soon as he gets back you know he's about to go on with he was about to go out with brent fires and you know covid came and crushed the buildings and that you know that would have been stateside though grip hasn't been you know stateside that would have been you know even though it's Brent Fires' R&B, it might have been, you know, the crowd might have been, okay, you got to win these people over. But it was an opportunity to win some people over. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who, who who aren't coming for rap. So, like, I think it's an extra win if you do. If you if you do, yeah, you get the, the big bonus points. Like, I was here for some sexy romance angst time or whatever <laughs> Brent is on. And, like, I could have got turned on to, like, my favorite new rapper at this R&B concert. Right? Yep. Yeah. So it's tricky. Oh it's really tricky. Yeah. We're going to see, especially after COVID, when touring starts back up, who takes who on the road. Also, I feel like right. this is what you should be doing, really. Like, you need to earn your slot. No matter what, in, in any capacity, like, make sure you're on the road with somebody. Because those first yeah. couple of tours are going mm-hmm. to be massive. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, yeah, really you know, re- you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, really randomly, y'all had me thinking about opening acts and shit. When Outkast did the reunion, I want to say this was day one. Uh, I rode Marta to Centennial Park and there was an older gentleman wearing a Fila sweatshirt before Fila made the comeback, if you may remember. So this, he is prototypical old Atlanta. He's muttering to himself on the way there. I don't know what a childish Gambino is, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> that is what he said. I want to find this man today and be like, did that concert turn you on to the guy? How do you really feel about a childish Gambino now that you found out what that he is about? Is incredible. That's journalism. He had no clue. I need, I need to know everything about that man. Because, like, imagine not knowing who Childish Gambino is at all. Just, like, looking at that name, like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And wait, so, and that was, so when he opened up, that was, so you saw Redbone Childish Gambino. No. No, that was, no, that was before Redbone. That was before Redbone. He saw 3000 Childish Gambino? Yeah, 3005 Gambino. 3005 Childish Gambino? Yeah. Yeah, what a time. Well, yeah, what, what a, a time, time to come in to, to, to figure out. A lot out. has happened since then. <laughs> a lot has gone on since that point. Good time to jump on the wave, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, this I mean, is, hey, this is before Atlanta. This is before all of that. But yeah. see, it's just it, mm-hmm. such a good opportunity. Yeah, I yeah. Think, uh, mm-hmm. Rory, Rory yeah, was on that. Rory, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he opened as well. Another, yeah, another one. But I also think that, especially with him too, another one super early, had a lot of great looks. 
But like maintaining that sure. conversation is also even harder when you're new. I think that's something we don't talk about enough is you're a new yeah. artist and you get big looks. It's not like easy street. It actually gets yeah. a little bit harder to find yourself and to keep up not that just the output, but like big looks. I'm super interested in Megan and seeing like how she's gonna maintain her career yeah. in the long term after so many big looks. Like I don't know what else she can get as far as like headlines. Like what like what's the feature, what's the uh cosign that's going sure. to like send her to the moon? Because like, I feel like she's already there. But like she's she's like what like in year I would say year one or year one and a half of her like mainstream career. Practically. And mm-hmm. it's just like she didn't got it all. So like well, man, what's it took Nicki Minaj a long time to get Beyonce. <laughs> man, Nicki did a lot. A long time to get did a lot, man. Beyonce pulled right up to Megan Crib, like, yeah. So here's this record. <laughs> here's these, mm-hmm. here's these savage bars I got for you. Man, she barred up too. That was mm-hmm. great. Yeah, we gonna look, we gonna, we gonna look back on that. That was a moment. That was a moment. I'm sitting here thinking, I could see um, as far as artists. I was trying to think of artists who could take. Nick out right now as an opener that have a good live show that have a, a fan base built in but maybe it's not like a, it's a fan base appropriate for Nick Grant that's not like a you know they're not looking for the, the they're not looking for um, anything particularly mainstream but not necessarily underground either and I could okay. see Nick okay. Grant opening for Earth Game when life starts back uh, I would like to see it. That would be hard. I feel like there's enough rapping and there's enough instrumentation that their I feel like their crowd could take to sure. Nick Grant. If the, so I'm sure a lot of their crowd has probably heard of Nick Grant before, but those who haven't, I think they could take to just the general vibe that you get from I, hearing I, Nick Grant. I get the logic, but Earth Gang is a little bit more psychedelic. I mean, Earth Gang was one of the last acts that I saw before the pandemic, so this memory is very fresh on my mind, but they had like a lot of uh, Technicolor stage set up, and they mm. also had like the rowdy anthems. Like There were mosh pits galore. I think I w- I'd want to personally yeah. see Nick Grant Jump with somebody who's similar yeah. grayscale, yeah. like the not the do 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 do. It doesn't have to be that, but it could be some. It should be something similar to that. I, well, fu- I oh go ahead. I could imagine Nick Grant, and this would have been last year, but opening for like Little Brother. Like oh, I that feel was like if he would have been center stage. Where, yeah. where, where, did, where did we see Little Brother at? That was at center stage. Center stage. I feel like if he would have opened for them, PM like after that DJ set, it would have made sense to midnight. me. <laughs> I feel like, but... yo, oh yeah, my god, you know Joe, I wish you were there because <laughs> they were like, they really did get us about there. <laughs> we but, know it's a Friday night. We know we want to get your ass at home. So sure. guess what? We're gonna be out of here before midnight, and the crowd was like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. He he needs a younger crowd than that. <laughs> but, but, that, but that's what I was gonna say. You say little brother. I'm like, oh, the little brother fans are like 46. No, like, but look, 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 hold on, like, well, hold on. It was a mix. It was a mixed bag crowd. How, in how that mixed? Room. How mixed was the bag? Are you what trying to call David percentage? Dennis 46? Because like, he was there. Of that crowd was it was 25 definitely. 
Right. Yes. Come on. David Dennis is definitely forty. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? That was definitely a two children and a wife club. Yes, although I did bring Mike six. there, yeah. and like Mike had never heard a little brother or Cra- uh, yeah. big on little brother, but like as Hold soon on. as he heard the "You'll be home by midnight" quip, he was like, "Oh, I'm a fan immediately." Yeah. All right, all right, all right, yeah. I'm just thinking. <laughs> uh, two kids and a wife is, is just what are not you talking about? right now. Nielsen has that demographic. They watched that demo not. very closely. It is in 2020 no. rap. Yeah, rap fan, rap fan, hip hop fans in 2020. There's definitely a segment the, of it's a, it's a I mean, mentality. I don't have any kids and a wife, but I'm it's, of two kids. It's and a mentality, wife right? But. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a mentality. It's a, it's but a I just feel once you have two kids and a wife, you're looking for bars. You just are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, true. Because if true it's a wasted that's, night that's, out, that's the way and I like, you had to call it. a babysitter for that got, shit, let's, you're going to be upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they babysitter all that to hear some little. Yeah, they hear, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they not, nah, they not, they not paying $25 an hour to hear see, skirt, skirt. This is why. <laughs> The openings of these tours are going to be so important because demographic wise, I think all music fans are going to be looking for their show, whatever their show is. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking for that coming out of COVID. Like if yeah. you if you in the bars, you want the bar fest when you leave your house. If you into oh, just sure. fun, you, you want to go have yeah. the best time of your life at that next concert. So actually, I, his- Griselda, I could see for Nick. That would be cool. I, 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 I thought about that I just didn't know if I don't know if it's going to uh, uh, attach itself seamlessly I, but yeah, like I think, I think well Griselda's crowd I think will definitely a thousand percent appreciate the bars I just yeah. don't okay, know okay fair if, like, fair isn't violent enough <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah like, there's, like, there's, there's, there's no violence on this tape yeah there's very like Maybe there's like very like small. It's a distant past. And things of that nature, <laughs> but like nothing like not blow your face off. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like a blow your face off tomorrow when you leave your grandmama's house with turkey dinner. Like, it's not. He, he does talk about yeah, his grandmother. Yeah, but it's not though. on the Goodfellas way where like you're leaving your aunt, your mom's house you know, after having of- the eggplant parmesan and you're gonna go <laughs> off yeah. somewhere. That's not that mentality at all. Well, the, the funny part about all of this is that the first time that I saw really? both Nick Grant and Earth Game perform was in the exact same place, and the place that they were there, yeah, they they were on stage, not together, but wow, uh, Earth Game opened for Nick Grant actually. Oh, and, crazy! Yeah, and it was crazy because it was a Hennessy event wow. at the W in Midtown, and. Neither of them, I knew both of their music. This was in probably 20, shit, what was it? This must have been 2013. No, maybe not that far back because Nick's album wasn't out yet. But so maybe it was 2015 or 14 or something like that. Good five, six years ago. And Earth Gang opened up for Nick Grant. And in my mind, I'm like, we're at the W in Midtown and nothing about this environment says Earth Gang or Nick Grant. Like, you know, Earth Gang is doing their Earth Gang. They're fully formed creatures already. So they got their outfits. They're doing their one-two. Venus is up there killing it. And Nick Grant is doing his bar fest. And it's a bougie Atlanta crowd at the W. Struggles. Like they're not they don't care about your 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 uh 
psychedelic aesthetic. They don't, yeah, they don't care about your bar struggles. They don't care about none of that. Like they're here to drink free <laughs> Hennessy and see huh. what famous people are huh. in the building. Like it was just weird. That is an odd night. That's an Atlanta night, but that is odd. Yeah, no, it was very strange. I was like, utterly strange. Is opening for Nick Grant, and I'm like, okay. I don't. Yeah, okay. Now thinking about that in reverse, him opening for them, I can't see it. That no. would be that would be weird. Maybe not like weird, but like just like the dynamics of what they do well. Like the Earth Gang show is a rowdy show. High energy. I remember I saw them with Smino and like them as openers. Like you're gonna sweat. So I can only imagine them as headliners. You're they going to sweat. For yeah. At wow. the. Uh, Man, where was it? The Playhouse? I believe. That sounds like... I mean, I, I haven't seen Smino's show. I'm sure he puts on an incredible show. Yeah, he does. Playhouse. He does. But I, I got to feel like if Earth Gang opens for you in this modern setting, you are under pressure. Oh, but he came through, though. I got to sure say. He did. I, I, I yeah, have no doubt but, about it. But it was loud. <laughs> and but I'm sure he had to be looking backstage like, God damn. Like, these things I, wish, like, I wish I could have like, known how he felt because, like, it... That's what I'm saying, man. Shows are very particular. Like, how they align up really should be something people look deeply into. Because if you pit the two or three right artists together, you can give people a night they'll never forget. And I feel like that Smino show was one of those nights where it wasn't a dull moment because the openers were so good. Like, Earth Gang came out and really lit a fire in the mm-hmm. crowd mm-hmm. where Smino just had to come out and deliver. Yeah. Like, that's it. And he it's like a perfect alley-oop. That's all the uh, opener performance are. It's like, you got to pit it white by the rim. And he's going to come in and yeah, dunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, that's be, all it is. Be, be <laughs> just good enough right. to not be better than me. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, whatever that line is. Like, if I'm, if I'm 99, I need you to walk to 98.5 and just sit. Hold on. So before <laughs> before we get out of here, what uh, how oh, was the Rhapsody Crit tour? How was that? How was that dynamic? I remember. Don't think I know. I do remember the tour, but I don't. I was trying to think that I see any of those shows. I didn't ah. see. I didn't see any of those shows. I haven't seen Crit Man, perform in a long time. I I need to find someone that went to that show because unfortunately I missed it, and yeah. I've always been wondering like how did that dynamic work out. I heard great reviews, but I need someone to like break down that show for me because I, yeah. that mm-hmm. that kind of show mm-hmm. I can see for Nick Grant, like him finding his perfect yeah. companion. In contrast, who is that? Is that person exists right now? I mean, they have to exist. <laughs> I, I, just, well, I mean, like in this. I mean, yeah, maybe they do. <laughs> I just I'm drawing a blank right now. I, I mean, too, but that's what's making me wonder, does that person exist right now? Because I'm like, who is it on a, in a on a tour standpoint that could bring Nick Grant into people's Cole? lives in a way that makes sense? It's an interesting I feel question. like J. Cole could, it right? It is. Who? Cole, Cole would be cool, man. Cole would be cool. But I feel like Cole is too big. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he couldn't bring Nick Grant out. Of course, it would be dope if he did. But I'm just saying, like, is there somebody that is a quote unquote cosign, or not mm-hmm. even a cosign, but just who's to your point about putting fans together? Like, who can do that in a way that won't drown out what's going on? Can you put? I mean, 
I don't I haven't seen Nick Grant's show recently, but can you put Nick Grant in front of like twenty five thousand people right now? I don't know, in front of a J. Cole Cole concert and then be like, All right, go kill him, kid. Uh, uh. I would like to see him at like a Dreamville Fest, right? Do a festival first. Something that's more intimate or something that speaks more to like, I don't want to say lesser expectations, but something that's just more like. What what about, what about Nick Jenkins? I can see that. I can see something. That's what, that's what, okay. That's what they, now you go. There you go. That's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not mad at that. That would be interesting. I would, I would show up for that. And I think that Mick is a, is, a, is in a good position to, you know, strong fan base, but also also in that tier of there's an elevation waiting for him. He can hit a yeah. whole other stride, and I feel like Nick's in the same position. So you know, you pair artists like that together, you you're gonna see something. We're doing venues that are like a thousand people, five hundred. Yeah. Uh huh. But you and can probably hit. Them up. You can probably hit good 15, 20. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 13, I think, would be great. Just like a 13-show tour. Really hit the good markets where you, mm-hmm. you know, Chicago, L.A., New York, Atlanta. Uh, hit Detroit. the Carolinas. Detroit. Yeah, man, see, it, it would be nice. Why, why do someone need to hire us to put together shows? We've accomplished quite a bit. <laughs> uh, well, you have been listening to the Something to Say podcast produced out of the SWATs by Michael Saba. Um, this podcast is very generously supported by um, our Patreon people. Wow, I should come up with a better term for that. But if you are interested, head over to patreon.com slash something to say. 